and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to talk about what to put in furrow on corn on today's program. And we'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. I was just shuffling through a number of emails that we'll get to here in just a little bit in the Ag PhD mailbag time. Uh, so looking at at what our uh, our topic of the day is, in furrow and corn, uh, lots of things going on there as far as naturals, insecticide, fungicides, fertilizers, uh, just just a lot of choices now, which to me is great. And I get it. It can be information overload, but it can also be, hey, I have a lot of options here. And depending on what issues I've got going on out in fields, uh, it, it's uh, it's a it's a nice tool to have in the tool belt. No doubt about that. We'll get to that topic here in just a second. Uh, but first, I got Mike over in Minnesota on and uh, wanted to ask a couple of questions. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good, Darren. Thanks for having me. You bet. So my wife and myself are uh, building a new home, um, and it was in soybeans last year. Last year they took uh, some tillage to the top, some type of a turbo product in the case, and um, they, they did some tillage. Um, but we're currently in the process of what should we put down uh, to get us through until uh, we put turf grass down. Uh, for our final grass for our yard, uh, I want to keep the weed pressure down, and uh, but I want to have something established there. So, a local seed provider has offered me uh, a pasture grass, which is a mixture of orchard, forage pestle, brome, timothy, and some bluegrass. And my question is, do I, do I spray anything so like a pre-emerge? And then at what point would I ever put anything else on to keep the weed pressure down uh, so I'm not you know, dealing with uh, leg weeds or stuff getting out of control? All right, so eventually you want to have turf grass growing through most of this area. When do you expect you'll be able to seed your lawn? So seed it for the turf or actually seed it for this pasture grass? Well, so you've got this ground. You're going to build a house on it. When? So I'm starting next spring. And oh, I'm anticipating the build time will take a good year to year and a half. Okay, so, so, so you're I'm not going to build for two and a half years out uh, from actually needing turf grass. Okay, okay, I hear what you're saying. Well, one of the challenges, and I think I, I've got my brother Brian on here, and Brian, you can sure uh, throw in ideas as well. One of the things I think about in lawns is the toughest thing to get out of lawns is other perennial grasses. So it does make me nervous if we put any perennial grasses out there that we've eventually got to kill those. So uh, it's not impossible. You can spray Roundup and kill most of those grasses that you're talking about. You're just going to take a strong rate of Roundup. How many acres is this area that, that you're, you're saving for this build site? Uh, so it's 2.75 acres of actual grass. Okay. 2.75 acres of grass. I don't know. Does that make you nervous, Brian? I guess you got 2.75 acres. I think you about put anything in there that you could kill with Roundup, and then you just round up it and start over with your turf grass. Yeah, I, I, I think that would be fine because, I mean, if you take a look at the developments that have been done across the United States, what do they usually do? They're going into pasture ground in a lot of cases, or in some cases, like in his, it's crop ground. But a lot of cases, it is pasture grass. Or, you know, there's brome, there's orchard, all that kind of stuff. So 
I don't know that I'm super worried about it. Um, I, and I understand. I mean, you want something growing out there because that's a big space. If it was, you know, just a tiny little space, and it's no big deal. And the other side of it is a lot of people would say, well, let's just graze some annual grass, just a little fescue or throw some, heck, throw some oats out or whatever. But the problem is it could be three growing seasons. Well, you don't want to have to do this three times. So I, I, I get it. I, I know where he's going. Um, I, I, I guess that's a, that's a halfway decent option. Otherwise, it's you seed whatever you actually want growing out there, like Kentucky bluegrass right now, and just give that a shot. So th- those are really, in my opinion, the two, two choices. Yeah, I, I'm fine okay. either way too, Mike. And, I, I, you know, it's not that big an area that you say, well, I, I lose 2.75 acres of production. No big deal. I mean, you'll make a little bit of money off the hay, for example, or if you're grazing it, it's worth something, no doubt about it. But uh, if you miss it, it's it's not the end of the world either. So you could just go with your regular grass too. Okay. Uh, my follow-up question there is they did uh, tell me to put on some fertilizer and a pre-emerge, and they referred to it as a 21 21- 22.4 at a rate of 187 pounds per acre. Is that something that sounds proper to you? That sounds realistic to me. I, I mean, I don't know what the soil already has, so it's really hard to make a recommendation when I don't have a soil test. But we know that grass needs a lot of nitrogen, and if you want the grass to do fairly well, it, it's, it's got to have some fertility to start with. But if okay. the soil is black already and it had raised soybeans, chances are it's got a decent amount of fertility out there right now. So adding a little something like that would be just fine. I think last year they pulled 67 bushel uh, soybeans off of their awesome. uh, very black yeah. uh, jumble material. Um, and the, yeah, I guess the last thing would be is uh, in there, I believe the product was called Metribuzin, uh, is what would be in that fertilizer mix that they'd have me put out. Um, is there any type of uh, a carryover on something like that for a year or two later no. that I should worry about? No. 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 That, that's okay, interesting. That's we don't usually have guys put metribuzin out in front of grasses. I get it, though. It's mainly a broadleaf product. So I guess I didn't realize it was labeled on all those grasses. But if they say it is, then I guess I'll, I'll trust them that it is. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, metribuzin isn't going to last in the soil more than usually a couple, three months. Okay. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you very much, and for all you guys do. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Good luck yeah, on what you're you. doing over there. We're going to talk today about corn. So we start off on a different topic, but we're going to get into in-furrow applications on corn and just what some of the choices are and, and what you may be thinking about going into this spring. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, 
We'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And we're talking about what to put in furrow on corn. And it's really neat with all the different ways we can apply things like, let's just take fertilizer, for example, with the planter. We could lay stuff on top of the ground. We could put it in the furrow. We could put it in a two-by-two. We could drop it down beneath the seed. Uh, and, And there are more ways than that. So lots of different things that we could do and how we could put things on. Uh, we, we're starting the topic talking about in-furrow, but we're sure open to talking about, okay, if we don't do it in-furrow, but I do want to do it with the planter, what would be another good way also? Uh, i got our friend John Leaf with AgriLiquid to talk about this a little bit. John, how are you doing? Doing good. Thank you. You know, the fun part about your job, you get to work with so many farmers and you see like a hundred different ways of doing things, if not more. Uh, so when it comes to this question, all right, I want to put on fertilizer at planting time. Is in-furrow the most common, or are you seeing guys gravitating towards a different way of doing it? I see them doing it in a lot of different ways, uh, depending on what they want to do with their planter. If all they want to do is phosphorus and potassium and micronutrients, a lot of guys will uh, try to stay in that uh, in-furrow type of, uh, of an arrangement. But if they're wanting to add nitrogen or higher levels of sulfur, they'll uh, either be all two by two or a combination of the two. Yeah, there, there's a difference depending on which nutrient you put out there. So talk us through this, John. And, and this is one thing my dad always talked to Brian and me about, and maybe it's because he knew a lot more than we did at the time uh, and, and probably always did. But uh but he, he would say, okay, I just don't want to assume that you guys know anything. I, I want to try and explain it here if you've got questions. And so let's just start from that standpoint of, all right, why can't you put nitrogen or high levels of sulfur right in the furrow? It's a seed safety issue. Um, higher levels of nitrogen, liquid nitrogen fertilizers like a 28 or a 32% uh, do have a, a very significant uh opportunity or potential to uh, to burn the seed or to, to uh, cause plenty of germination loss. 
So we want to not do it that way. Similar with, uh, with a lot of the sulfur products, it's just uh, too uh, hard on the seed, too hard on germination uh, to try to put uh, most of those types of uh, sulfur products in furrow. Now there are a few that uh, you, you can put in furrow and AgriLiquid does have uh, our enhanced uh, sulfur product for that. But uh, if you're looking for uh, significant sulfur, uh, you really need to keep that off the seed. Yeah. And I, I think too, sometimes I'll, I'll talk to George about this. Well, how much can I put in there? And, and my response, and tell me if I'm right on this, John, is, well, why, why do you want to push it? If, if a little bit is okay, why do you want to push that? Because it's not going to fill all of your needs anyway. You just as well put a little bit more on top, especially with nitrogen and sulfur. They move down in the soil pretty well. Yes, I agree. Uh, certain risks that you have to take as a grower and then certain risks that you don't have to take. And, and getting a lot of nitrogen down on the seed is, I don't think, one of those risks that's really worth taking. Uh, you, you have other options. And, and nitrogen's really nice in that respect because you can put it on top uh, as a pre-emergence. You can put it on uh, two by two. You can put it on side dress. So there's a lot of additional options. Uh, whereas some uh, nutrients like phosphorus, potassium, micronutrients, I, I think, really do uh, fit best uh, in the furrow uh, if you've got products that uh, that can go in furrow. All right. Now, you mentioned the, the P and K and the micros, and, and I get questions about this a lot. All right. I've got some ground that's super short in P or K or both, uh, and I want to do a combination of broadcasting some dry out, but then utilizing some liquid to have good availability for my crop for this year. What do you think of that strategy? Can you do it all with liquid? Should you be using a little bit of both when you're in a situation like that? Uh, in a situation like that, I think a good combination approach is the best way to go. Uh, potassium is a great uh, example of that. Um, most of the time when you say you're, you've got a soil that's short on potassium, for example, typically your base saturations are well below uh, what we would desire in that 4 to 6% range. And potash is really the best way to go about building that up. And then uh, providing in-season crop nutrition uh, through uh, application through the planter uh, with, uh, with a liquid fertilizer is really a nice way to ensure that your crop has uh, plenty of crop nutrition to, uh, to get you uh, through that season. Similar with, uh, similar with phosphorus, um, uh, so uh, making sure that you have a good uh, base with, uh, with a dry program if you're really, really short, and then providing uh, good uh, uh, phosphorus nutrition at planting time is, uh, is really a great combination. How about on the micros, John? When when we think about micronutrients and, and ask farmers all the time, well, what are you doing on your corn crop, for example? And, and a lot of guys say, oh, man, I'm putting micros out there. Great. Well, what are you putting out? And most farmers tell me, well, I'm putting out a quart of zinc. Uh, obviously, corn needs more micronutrients than just zinc. Uh, what do you not recommend? Do you recommend, hey, we, we do need that quart of zinc, but in addition, we do other things? Or, or are you finding a, a different blend that works better? Well, uh, you're right. Corn does need uh, more than just zinc. Uh, manganese and boron are two that come to mind. Um, our Micro 500 product has that uh, zinc that it needs, uh, but it also has some manganese and some iron and copper and a little bit of boron in it. 
And uh, then if uh, a field uh, soil test is really low on boron, for example, which is very common, uh, we will also uh, uh, encourage our customers to put a little bit of uh, our, our straight boron in with that uh, to help uh, um, keep those, uh, those nutrients in place. So, uh, yeah, uh, a quart of zinc is a great start, but uh, um, it's really best to have a, uh, a good uh, combination product that meets a lot of the uh, micronutrient needs. When it comes to fertilizer, John, we get all kinds of questions where some guys will say, well, I'm putting on three gallons per acre in furrow. Others say I'm putting on 20. And so there's there's a lot of different ideas about this, and, and certainly there's a lot of difference in fertilizer products that are out there too. Uh, how should a grower go about figuring what is the right rate and how much is too much? Well, how to figure out the right way, rate is uh, something that we always start out with the soil test if we can get it. Um, Trying to determine if uh, if your phosphorus or your potassium levels are extremely low or or in really good shape, we can adjust those rates accordingly. Uh, now, as far as too high, um, that's a lot product dependent. We at AgroLiquid tend to uh, uh, try to cap our uh, phosphorus potassium uh, recommendations for in furrow on corn at up to 10 gallons per acre, which uh, is a fair amount, but uh, our products are safe enough to do that with. A lot of times, uh, a lot of our customers are in that four to five gallon range. Uh, but uh, a lot of uh, what constitutes too much depends on the products that you're using, and you really have to, to understand the, the characteristics and the qualities of the product that you're, uh, that you're trying to put in furrow. Yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into figuring those things out. And the other thing that we like to do, John, as you well know, is play around with this a little bit and try, okay, let's try uh, one gallon versus three gallons versus five gallons and see what we see for, for yield differences, what we see for handling and just delivering the fertility. One of the challenges we've had when we get too low a rate is just delivering a consistent uh, product throughout that furrow. We we end up, if we go really low on rates, we, we end up putting a little bit of water in with it to just have more of an even spread through the furrow. Do you see a lot of guys doing that? And do you see any issue with that? Uh, we do see some people doing that. Uh, the, uh, the answer that I usually give to a question like that is, what is the uh, lower uh, limits to your application equipment. And you want to make sure to have enough volume going out per acre uh, to uh, to make sure that the equipment is putting out a nice steady stream. Uh, if, uh, if your equipment is uh, set for uh, three gallons at the lowest and uh, you want to put two gallons of a, of a product in, yeah, you need to put some additional water in. Uh, that, that really makes uh, the the best for a good consistent application that way yeah lots of great tips here always good having john leaf on with agroliquid john thank you so much really appreciate having you on today stay tuned we'll be right back get what you spray for results get the lasting control more corn growers trust with anthem max herbicide from fmc Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. 
mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Last year's fertilizer cost too much. This year's fertilizer still costs too much. So maybe next year, ahem, maybe next year, instead of paying whatever the market dictates, you should find a new source. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the crop nutrients that are already in your soil so you can use less fertilizer and capture the yield you count on to turn a profit. I said to turn a profit. That's more like it. Learn more at sound.ag. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about in-furrow applications in corn. And certainly there are areas of North America being planted right now. And you may have some input on what you're doing. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Now, in the northern part of North America... Guys are still working in the shop, and if you're installing equipment to do some things in furrow or otherwise on your planter, we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, but we're talking about today in furrow things on corn, and there are lots of of different products that are getting put on uh, on different farms. So, got Bill Verbaten with us right now with FMC to talk about this just a little bit. How you doing, Bill? Doing all right. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So uh, one of the things that FMC's had for, for quite a few years now has been the LFR technology, uh, most notably with, with Capture over the years. But now, of course, you get that with Zyway and other products. So can you talk to us a little bit about what liquid fertilizer ready means on some of these products that, that give us uh, the flexibility of putting, uh, say, a, an insecticide or a fungicide, in the case of Zyway, in with fertilizer and have it actually mix? Yeah, and so it's it's all about the formulation technology. And so the idea behind LFR is from the ground up, it's designed to really 
not only mix and flow with the fertilizers, but be compatible with a range of conditions and in terms of getting it out on the acre um, as a carrier for a number of crop protection products, whether it's, you know, uh, by Fenthrin and Ethos or Capture or with Futriafol and Zyway. Yeah, the challenges that we saw over the years before we had this LFR technology, if we were trying to do this, it was always cold. I mean, every morning in the spring, it starts off cool and maybe cool in your area is 50 degrees and maybe it's 32. I don't know. But either way, things just don't mix well when it's cold. It was a real challenge and it was certainly a, a big improvement in the industry when we had these technologies. So I know now we'll hear from growers that say, well, I tried mixing bifenthrin in with different fertilizer and it didn't work at all. And we, we kind of follow up, well, is that Capture LFR? Well, no, it was a generic. Well, there isn't a generic LFR, so you're going to have problems if, if you're doing that. So anyway, keep that in mind as we're talking about insecticide and fungicide here. If you want to mix it right with the fertilizer, that you got to use one of these LFR formulations from FMC to get it to work. All right, let's talk about Capture just a little bit, Bill. We've got a lot of issues with rootworms and other bugs. Uh, just the other day we had... Um, Somebody was on from Michigan State, and they were talking about, man, in the studies we're seeing now, the the neonics and the seed treatment insecticides aren't working very well on seed corn maggots. We need some additional help from insecticide, and of course, there's no trait that's going to stop seed corn maggots. So there, there's a lot of value with putting an insecticide in the furrow to protect those corn roots. Uh, talk to us specifically about capture. What are you seeing with capture, Bill? What what should growers be looking for in fields too? Well, with uh, with the capture and uh, you know its cousin ethos that has the bio uh, fungicides with it, um, most growers that we're working with are, are going you know beyond the rates that would just be seed cord maggots to really go after the corn rootworm larvae, and the label range on that is going to be eight and a half to seventeen fluid ounces. And where with the kinds of pressure we're encountering across um, you know my territory with northern Illinois, eastern Iowa, southern Wisconsin. Um, running 10 to 12 ounces is pretty common as a base rate, and that's um, you know going to do a nice job um, with the, the corn rootworm larvae in addition to the seed cord maggots. And um, really, I, we, I think that's a, those rates are a more fair comparison to some of the you know the other molecules in the market. But I do want to actually go back to an earlier point you made on the fertilizer section is the carrier volume. I really um, would strongly recommend if growers are putting a uh, crop protection product out um, to, to go to that five gallon of carrier. Um, we've actually had some internal data that just shows better performance as you get that that volume up above that three gallons up to that um, five gallons, just a better distribution of the molecule. Um, and I know you had brought that up in the fertilizer section. And I'd also say that um, in general with growers, if they're doing these complex mixes that have you know, sulfur and micros in that you want to keep your sulfur below 25% of the volume of your mix. It's just, it's just better overall in terms of mixability. It doesn't matter if they're spraying it through a sprayer or running it through their planter in a whatever attachment they have. But those are just a couple of things I've noticed over the years to just have your carrier volume up to five gallon and just, you know, be mindful of everything in the tank when you're um, getting that out there. That is a great point because uh, as, as well, as we are putting together topics, this in on corn topic came up and it's, well, should we talk about this or should we talk about this? Well, there's uh, dozens of different ways 
growers are putting together packages here. And a lot of times if we're doing something, it's, well, maybe I can also add this in. Maybe I can also add that in. Uh, from a coverage standpoint, what I've really liked, Bill, the technology from FMC has been the Thrive 3D system. We've been using that mm-hmm. Thrive system now for a number of years. We just got a new one um, last year when we got a new planter. And, wow, that foam seems to uh, just fill the furrow. I, I don't know that I've uh, watched as this has gone. And a lot of times we'll put a, a GoPro camera right on the back end of the planter and just watch what's going into the furrow. It's just a steady stream of foam the whole time. Yeah, and that's where it's, you know, it's proprietary to FMC. And, I mean, we've spent a lot of years perfecting that system internally. And, I mean, that's where a lot of my plots that I'll be planting out, we're going to go out with the Thrive system. Um, this year, and I mean, it, the the real nice thing about that technology is it it really you, you take the benefits of a low volume application that can get three to four hundred acres, you know, out of one fill, um, but you still get the distribution of whether it's your insecticide or fungicides, and um, you just get that um, better coverage, and you don't really have any risk to the seed that way. It's it's a pretty slick system to work with, and it's you know we've had a lot of growth in that market uh, in my territory over the winter and I'm looking forward to seeing these growers uh, run it this spring. Uh, it's just so easy to work with and of course there's programs so uh, you could get the thing on your planter for little to no cost. It's It's been a fantastic system for us. Uh, the other thing that we've been doing with that Bill, that's how we've been putting out Zyway on our corn and, and yep. lots of talk about this product Zyway. I know the label has been changing a little bit in in a good way when it comes to tar spot and, and um, talk to us just a little about Zyway because you've had quite a bit of experience now. I know it's been on more than a million acres and that mm-hmm. that's enough to really get to know a product oh yeah yeah zyway there's a again we've got the the two label updates one is we um, are labeled for tar spot suppression so what that what that means in terms of what the university studies have shown is they'll take out a third to half the tar spot lesions and oftentimes we'll see a delay in that that initial infection that you'll get with it so it really sets up very nicely um, especially if somebody's planning on two passes, why not, um, you know, start with, um, start clean and, you know, push back when you need to make that first pass. It makes it a lot easier logistically. Um, we've also added, um, we've got up to a V4 timing for in a side dress where it's close to the row, um, added to the label recently. And there's a, there'll be a few more updates that'll be coming hopefully, um, you know, this, maybe this season, um, but if not, it'll be here uh, for next season, and I continue to look at some uh, other placement options for it that I'm excited to follow up on some initial work. And again, you know, whether running it through the Thrive system or um, taking it out of the, the true in-furrow application, so that half inch to, you know, four inches off the seed with the LFR, um, that really took away pretty much any complaint we had with the product. I mean, between that and carrier volume, um, we got it figured out, and it continues to be a great performing product for us. Yeah, it's so nice to have these additional options. I think about, well, tar spot's one thing, and it certainly gets a lot of attention, and rightly so, but I just think about some of the crown rod issues that we haven't had when we've been using this, and mm-hmm. uh, and that 
that uh, northern corn leaf blight that always seems to to pop up here or there for us and gray leaf spot uh, it's been a been a really good deal and we're talking with Bill yeah. Verbaten here with FMC about some of the things that go in furrow we mentioned capture and ethos uh, stopping some of the bugs we also mentioned zyway helping prevent some of these diseases and improving plant health uh, lots of different things you can do from a crop protection side Bill thank you so much really appreciate uh, you sharing a little bit with us today look forward to talking to you again down the road all right you have a great day you bet you as well Talking about in-furrow applications on corn, and our phone lines are open for your agronomic questions as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Graber back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer amaranth, kochia, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5 UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5 EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterham. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming... We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about in-furrow applications in corn, and we're also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And one thing we haven't talked about yet is just naturals in-furrow. We talked a little about fertility. We talked a little about uh, fungicides, insecticides, those types of things. Uh, but one thing that we've we've focused on really quite a bit the last, I don't know, five, six years or more has been some of the naturals in furrow, whether that's uh, living microbes, whether that's humix and fulvics, uh, lots of different choices there for naturals that could potentially go in furrow. And when you're putting more naturals in, especially when you're talking about living microbes, that's where I get a little bit concerned. I don't want to be, well, I, I'm going to put a whole bunch of fungicide in the furrow and insecticide in the furrow and fertilizer in the furrow, and I'm also going to throw in naturals. I would look at, could I do some of that in a two-by-two, two, or could I do some of that in a separate application to try to keep those apart just a little bit? Uh, Brian, what what are your feelings on that? I mean, obviously, we got lots of choices in the, the naturals front. I, I just want to try and protect them as much as I can. I don't want to kill something that I'm paying money to put out there. Well, that's why you have to know what's what. So just for example, if you had, let's say it was zinc chelate, then we don't have a lot of problems killing live microbes. But if it's zinc citrate or ammoniated zinc, then it's a very quick death for those microbes. So I, I again, I don't mind mixing. I want to mix because that saves a lot of work. But you just have to be careful with that. So make sure you talk to your provider about that. The other big thing when you're talking about killing the microbes is just the water that you're using as, as a carrier, if you're using any water. You have to make sure that's not chlorinated. If it is, got to treat it. And even regular well water, you might want to treat it because some of the hard water ions in there can cause some problems, sometimes with microbes. Not usually a real big thing, but it can hurt them a little bit. So we've been treating the water on our farm, especially because of the chlorine um, in our rural water. But yeah, I mean, just even normal water and hard water, you might want to treat as well. I, I guess going beyond that, I would just say there are so many biologicals out there now, and we do encourage people to try some. I, I think that's absolutely the future. If you look at what the government is allowing anymore, they're trying to ban more pesticides and they are approving what we call natural products or biological products. So there's a lot that can be done there. Uh, one of the biggest ones that we've had questions about is these biological nitrogen replacement products. And I would just say that in our testing, we found that all of them work. The concern is that they don't provide a lot of nitrogen for the dollars. So they're kind of expensive, I guess, but I mean, they'll work. It, I just say you have to make sure nitrogen is your yield limiting factor. If nitrogen's not the yield limiting factor and you're putting a biological nitrogen replacement product in there, well, then it's not going to do any good. Just like if you already had enough nitrogen, you wouldn't add more nitrogen fertilizer to your crop, would you? It's the exact same thing. So keep that in mind. All right, Brian, we got a number of questions that are coming in here for the Ag PhD mailbag. I'm going to dive back in here. I uh, got this one from from uh we already been in the mailbag haven't we janelle she's she says i'm not sure no actually we no. probably haven't we took phone no, calls we have not. it's now mailbag time with brian and darren 
We got to play that music or Brian doesn't like answering questions. All right. This comes from a, this comes from AM. Uh, okay. I'm new to farming. So I got a few questions that are probably pretty basic. First of all, you talk about liquid fertilizer and sometimes you talk about foliar fertilizer. Are all foliars liquid? Are all liquids able to be used foliar? Um, pretty much all, well, everything has to be turned into a liquid if it's going to get used foliar. Um, so it could be a dry powder, but then you'd have to mix it in water. So eventually it's going to be a liquid, yes. And not all liquids can get used foliar. For example, liquid 28%. If I went straight liquid 28% at 20 gallons to the acre, I'd burn every leaf off, leaf off my crop. So, I, I mean, could you mix it with enough water to safen it down? Yes. You just have to be careful. Salt is a killer, and fertilizer, by very definition, is salt. And when I say salt is a killer, I mean salt in excess is a killer. So we always have to be a little bit careful, and there are certain crops that they're a little bit more sensitive, certain stages a little bit more sensitive. But, yeah, there are a lot of liquid fertilizers that can be used very safely on crops, and it's a common practice. All right, next question. We talk about dry fertilizer compared to liquid fertilizer, that the liquid could be readily available for the crop. How long does it yeah. take a dry granular fertilizer, or how much rain does it take to make them available? That really varies. So it, it could be a little bit of rain, could be a lot, just as an example. When I think about urea, that doesn't take a whole lot of water to break down, whereas potash, it takes a lot of water and it takes time. So we've had dry fertilizer granules on our farm not break down for a year. I mean, I can literally still see the fertilizer there. So there are certain products that can just take a long time. And there's no one set thing that I can tell you, but that's another thing that you can talk to your provider about, and hopefully they can give you a specific answer for the fertilizer you want to buy. Yeah, how do you compare liquid versus dry as far as how much fertilizer is in there? Well, then you just look at the analysis on the uh, container or the, the product to see how what percentage of each nutrient is in there uh, that will get you at least headed down the right path. And then the, the last question he's got, if I'm mixing dry fertilizer together, if I've got a crop that needs some P and K but also needs some uh, calcium, magnesium, and micronutrients, if I blend these together, will they tie up? If not, uh, how does this whole tie-up thing work in soils? If I'm putting on multiple fertilizers, do I have a certain amount of time before they would tie up? Okay, to tie up when you're mixing the dry fertilizer together, but the big thing you're looking at is the bulk density. You want to make sure that one doesn't settle out or rise to the top, and then you're putting all this fertilizer of one certain type at the beginning or just at the end of the field. That would be very problematic. Uh, what was the other question? Uh, how long does it What's take? It? How long do you, uh, if you put fertilizer oh, yeah, out of soil? Up. In soil, in, in soil, I mean, nutrients can tie up with other nutrients. So, for example, phosphorus can bind up with calcium in high pH soils or can bind up with iron in low pH soils or aluminum in really low pH soils, just as an example. So, it all depends on the fertilizer product that you're talking about specifically. But I mean, we could we could spend an hour, well, we could spend a day <laughs> yeah. talking about yeah, it's big big topics, things, big topics. Yeah, specific but... question, then then send us a, an email back. 
You bet. Thanks for the question, Zam. We appreciate that. Uh, this comes from Alex down in northeast Kansas about oats. Now, yesterday on the show, we were talking about oats specifically, and Alex said, all right, in our part of northeast Kansas, we usually get a decent amount of rainfall here. We've got medium soils around a CEC of 15, and I plan on drilling oats here soon in the early part of March. Uh, I, I put it up for hay in late June, and then I plant soybeans right into that stubble at that point. So I'm curious about fertilizer, and I'm wondering, should I just go ahead and drill the oats in now and then top dress them with all the fertilizer we need in April and May? That way I wait until the ground is dry and the crops will actually use the nitrogen. I'm typically running a blend of 40, 30, 165, and 20 sulfur. The other option is, of okay, course, I can spread the fertilizer first and then seed. Yes, spread the fertilizer first and then seed. And if you want, you can save some of the nitrogen for later. That would be perfectly fine. But you got to get that P and K out there. Otherwise, it's not going to get in the ground, and you're not going to be able to utilize as much of that fertilizer as you would as if it's in the ground to start with. When you go top dress, there's no way to get it pushed down into the ground. So your phosphorus will literally be laying on the soil surface even at the end of the season. Yeah, and and could, potassium won't be much better. The concern was nitrogen. So the other question then is, what about a nitrogen stabilizer? Would a nitrogen stabilizer help solve this? I don't know exactly how much rain you're going to get this year in northeast Kansas, uh, but a nitrogen stabilizer can definitely help if you want to put more out early. All right. Well, thanks for the questions, Alex. We really appreciate that. Uh, We'll be back with more of your calls and questions right after this short break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Morton buildings are made to last for generations. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, we are committed to quality. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. What can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> we feel heaven Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. 
Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Ahead to planting. Schedule your planter inspection with the experts at CNB. Make sure your equipment is in top shape and ready for the field this spring. CNB is your local John Deere dealer offering expert service and customer commitment. Learn more or schedule your appointment online today at DeereEquipment.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about what to put in furrow on corn and also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us if you'd like. That would, yeah, radio at AgPhD. Uh, I got Austin on right now over in central Illinois. I want to talk a little bit about nitrogen in corn. Austin, how are you doing today? Hey, Darren, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Good, good. Um, yeah, like I say, we're in central Illinois. Um, we've got some good ground around us, but we are actually on some lighter soil, on some sandy soils, kind of variable. Um, and just going through some soil tests here, we've got some CECs like 8 to 15 in that range, you know, anywhere in there. And I know you guys say like, uh, you know, typical nitrogen holding capacity is your CEC times 10. Yep. That's, uh, you know, the amount of nitrogen you can hold. Um, we put in, you know, about 160 units in the fall um, and then maybe 30 units in the spring. And uh, based on you guys' recommendations, that's too much for one time. Um, you agree with that, I guess? I mean, I'm looking at maybe a side dress application, if that's the case, in season, you know, for the lower CEC soils. That would be my suggestion. Yes, that that uh, you probably got all you can hold out there, and and I would wait a little bit. How about how about organic matter? Do you have much organic matter? Uh, we're anywhere from two to probably a maximum of four. Okay. Percent. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not great. Um, so that's probably not helping a whole lot as far as mineralization goes. I know we'd be getting some, but not as much as others. So. Sure. And is this dry land or do you have irrigation? It's all dry. Okay. 
Yep. Yeah. If it was me, I would be looking for how can I do a little bit more later into the season. Now, I mean, not super late, but you're going to look at that nitrogen uptake curve that, uh, you know, early on we aren't using a whole bunch of N, but boy, when we go from knee high to tassel in seemingly just a couple of weeks, uh, there, there's a mm-hmm. big draw of, of nutrients at that point. So yeah, if we can get our side dress out right around that time, uh, our, our, window of time that we've got an overabundance of N out there is really short and our crop roots are already really deep. So our chances of losing it are, are pretty slim. I mean, do you think 160 pounds on in the fall on a CEC of, you know, 10, you know, do you think that's a point where you should maybe pull back in the fall? Well, to say, I mean, if I, you follow your recommendation, that would be a hundred, right? I would personally, uh, that's, that's what I would do. But I mean, you're, you're dealing with real life here. This is variable ground as almost every farm is, it seems like of, well, there's some spots here that are lighter and some that are a little bit heavier and, you know, um, you can do some soil testing, testing for nitrate is cheap. It's only like five bucks a throw. So, uh, you could do some tests and see, okay, let's, let's just look down two feet and see what's down there. And and let's look at the top Mm -hmm. foot and look at the second foot and see, is my nitrogen moving? Moving. Am I able to hold that it? And be mineralization info too, right? Yeah, so, you're gonna have a little mineralization yeah. up top as well. Absolutely, and that's gonna right. gonna add a little bit to the equation. Did you do any soil testing in the fall then before you applied to see how much nitrate was already left from last yeah. crop? Well, we don't get a nit- we don't get nitrogen information on our soil test actually. So. Yeah, that's something I would request, and and honestly, it doesn't cost much extra, if any, maybe a couple of bucks. Um, like I say, the nitrogen okay. piece is yeah. pretty easy to test for. We we got a really nice, pleasant surprise a couple of years ago, and I always tease my brother that he's a nitrogen addict because uh, he, he knows if we run short, it costs us yield, and so he wants to make sure that we don't run short mm-hmm. on nitrogen. But I know two falls ago when we were pulling soil tests, uh, it caught Brian's eye for sure that we had a bunch of nitrogen laying there. And so uh, I think that fall test is is kind of a good indication, especially if you're going to do a fall nitrogen app. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Just I feel like maybe we're putting on a little too much in the fall. I don't. I just don't know. And then another 30 pounds in the spring before we even plant. So uh, 190 pounds on a soil with, you know, 8 to 12, 15 CEC just seems like a lot. So yeah, yeah that was my main question. Yep, so. yep. I think it is a little bit aggressive. I agree with you, Austin. I think I'd space that out, do a split shot, put some on in season. Mm-hmm. What, what would you, well, yeah. Would you recommend putting some ATS in, you know, if you're going to go out there with 28 in season? What are your thoughts on ATS? You sure can. We we don't have any issue with that. And I know sulfur is a big nutrient of need in, in corn. I, I, I don't know. Brian, would you say that we've, um, well, I know we've been picking it up on sulfur. We've been adding a little bit more in each time. Uh, but that that's one, too, if you've got lighter soils. In your case, uh, I'm betting you're going to need right. a little more sulfur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we already do some pre-plant. We do about uh, anywhere from 7 to 12 pounds pre-plant. Uh, and then I thought about maybe throwing some more in if we end up doing a side dress application. So, yep, yep. I would yeah. watch. I would watch what that is on your soil test. And and yeah, for are you shooting for a two hundred bushel corn? Are you shooting for two fifty? What do you? What kind of yields uh, do you get? Near closer to two fifty. Yeah, closer yep. to two fifty. Yep. Yeah, you're gonna need you're gonna need quite a few pounds of sulfur. So yeah, I I, I would right. definitely look at adding a little more sulfur as well. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, thank you a lot. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Austin. Good luck to you this spring.
All right. Thank you much. You too. Bye. All right, Brian, uh, got a few more questions that have come in here that I'd like to try and get to. So uh, this one comes in from Randall, and he said, guys, uh, listen to your show for quite a while and and really appreciate it. Uh, but we're getting into the world of fertilizer manufacturing, and we've got a chemist that we're working with that's putting humix and fulvix together with liquid. And uh, he says that's going to allow the crop to receive more of the nutrients, up to 100%, which could potentially allow us to reduce the amount of nutrients, especially nitrogen, that we're applying which, again, potentially could lead to less environmental issues. What do you think about humix and fulvix uh, as soil conditioners and, and products to help get nutrients in? Well, foliar, we have been using fulvic to help get nutrients in. Now, to think that we're going to reduce a whole lot on our fertilizer bill because of humix and fulvix we have not found that to be true. I, I mean, maybe a tiny little bit, but it's no real big deal. So I, I wouldn't, where I'm going with this is don't be thinking, oh, I can put on half the amount of fertilizer. No, that's not gonna, no, not gonna work. But, but do humix and fulvix help? Yes, we like the fulvix foliar, we like the humix in the soil. All right, thanks Randall, and good luck oh, to you. Oh, and by the way, by the way, all humix do contain some fulvic. So, but not all fulvix contain some hum. Fulvix do not contain humic, but humix do contain fulvic. All right. Thanks, Randall. Really appreciate it. And yeah, we do see more uh, in the industry. We do see more people putting in humix and fulvix with fertility products. And a lot of times they aren't saying anything about it. <laughs> They're just putting it right in there as, as one of uh -huh. the inert products. All right. Monty had a comment. He said, you guys are talking about fences and that there aren't so many fences around on your farm anymore. I kind of like the fences. I like it for catching some snow, uh, perhaps stopping some erosion at the end of my field. So at least it doesn't get out of my field. Uh, and also giving us just a little bit of privacy. Yeah, Monty, there are a lot of positives of fences, no doubt about that. Uh, but for us, uh, uh, we're, we're working on each of those aspects uh, in a little different way. Uh, and this one comes in from SRB who says, guys, you're talking about tiling and I got a couple fields right now. I'm going to tile. I'm just kind of curious uh, of just putting in straight uh, pipes or covering them with something uh, as far as the the length of time those tiles are going to last. I'd love to get at least 20 years out of my tile lines. Oh yeah, that should really be no problem. We don't put like rock or anything over the tile lines. You can certainly do that depending on the soil type. You can also go narrow slotted tile. You can go with a sock around it if you have fine sand or silt. So there are ways to help protect that tile, but 20 years is not very long. I mean, when we were putting tile in, I want it to last a hundred yeah, for, for sure. And, and yeah, as that installation goes in, that's going to be the big thing is just being careful that, that you don't have any, uh, you know, humps in the tile as you're going, because tile is going to flow downhill. If you've got a spot where the tile goes up again, uh, that's going to stop water for you. And then just making sure you don't crush any lines, that kind of thing as you're filling the trench back in behind, depending on what type of equipment you're using. Uh, yeah, really excited for you, SRB. Uh, good luck on the tile. Hopefully it makes a big difference on your farm. It certainly has on ours as well. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. Had fun talking about in-furrow applications on corn. That's just right around the corner on our farm. And as I mentioned 
that's going to involve uh, products like Zyway fungicide, uh, insecticides that we're going to be putting out there in addition to the traits that we're using in our seed, uh, and certainly a, a bunch of different naturals that we like to use. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.